So we're in uh, 1 Samuel 16. We've been going through these chapters looking at the life of Samuel and now the life of David. And um, the idea that nature forms us and heals us, uh, there's also this idea that music can heal us. Uh, and that's one of the ideas I want to talk about along with... Uh, what it means to live into, who we're created to be, what it means to serve, what it means to be more fully human, uh, what it means to uh, live a life free of fear and envy and, and in the love and joy and delight of God. So it's going to be a light morning. So let's uh, jump right in. First Samuel 16. Now, uh, all of this begins with uh, what to me are some of the most disturbing verses in all of Scripture. Now, there are a number of verses in Scripture that uh, are somewhat disturbing when you read them. And uh, this is one of them. So 1 Samuel 16 opens uh, with God telling Samuel to go anoint a new king. And basically God said, go commit treason and anoint a new king because Saul is still king. So Saul could have Samuel killed. He could have David and his family killed because Samuel has gone, this prophet of God, this seer has gone and anointed a new king, David. But he does it in secret in the small town of Bethlehem, and Saul doesn't know it has happened. But it is the beginning, the emergence of this young man, David, and what will become this bitter conflict for Saul internally and then with David, because David is rising and Saul is beginning to fade, and, and Saul is unwilling to accept that something new is happening, that a new king is emerging. And so we left off in 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. Now here's the disturbing verses. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Now that just is a great way to start a Sunday morning. Uh, Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. Okay, uh, so first off, I'm not going to pretend to understand exactly what's going on here, but let me offer a few words uh, about... Uh, some of the ideas around what could be happening here. In, in our uh, Western mindset, we often read a text and, and we think there has to be one way to look at it. This is not the case in the Jewish mindset. In the Jewish consciousness, they read the scriptures like a gem. The, the rabbis talk about the scriptures as being like a gem. And every time you turn the gem, the light hits it differently and you see something different. And they talk about the 70 different ways to read every passage. So let's just talk about a couple here. Uh, one, uh, the idea of the Spirit of the Lord coming upon someone in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, is a bit different than in the New Testament. In the New Testament, the day of Pentecost comes and the Spirit comes upon people freely. And the Spirit, we all have equal access to this gift of the Spirit from God. In the Old Testament scriptures, we see the Spirit of the Lord come on people, and, and it's more people who God has chosen to be his prophets, his priests, or his kings. And so the sense that the Spirit of the Lord came on Saul when he was king, and that the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and is now on David, is this sense that Saul is no longer 
the rightly anointed king David is now. And so the spirit of the Lord has departed from Saul and is on David. Now this idea of an evil spirit is really interesting and you have to look through the scriptures to see uh, what is the character and nature of God and the way I read this, does this seem to line up with the character and nature of God? Did God actually send this evil spirit or is it more like in the book of Job where we're told that the Satan, the deceiver, uh, comes and wreaks havoc on Job and God didn't put a stop to it. He allowed it. He permitted it. That God works within human history and he allows certain things to happen even though it's not God's heart for those things to happen. Something I've said a number of times that I'm sure I'll say a number of times again is if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And what we see in Jesus is this God-man who comes and dwells among us and he drives out evil. He doesn't send it. He comes to renew and restore and redeem all that is broken and evil in the world to bring about new creation, new hope, new life. And so in many ways, what we're looking at here, something else Jesus does is he also has some harsh words to say to those who are in positions of power and have abused their power. And what we know about Saul is he has been given a position of power and he has abused his power. And so Saul is alienated from God. He's very much alienated from his own internal self. And he's alienated from others. Paul is mentally and emotionally disturbed. And this spirit is afflicting him in some capacity in his mental and emotional disturbance. And so his advisors, his attendants, their idea of how to help relieve what is going on internally for Saul is to bring in a musician. Isn't this interesting? But let's bring in a musician and that will help relieve you. And so, verse 17, Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man, a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man and the Lord is with him. What, what a pedigree, what a resume to unfold to Saul about David. Uh, it's not just I know someone who can play music well. It's, he's also brave, he's a warrior, he's good looking, he can speak well, and the Lord is with him. So, verse 19, Saul sent messengers to, Dave, to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son, David, to Saul. Now there's something, if we're reading this quickly, we can easily miss. And so I want to pause for a moment and look at Saul's words compared to his servant's words. His servant said, verse 18, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man and the Lord is with him. So Saul says, 
Send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. This, in my mind, reveals a whole lot about Saul and where he is within himself. He is self-consumed, self-absorbed, and as we'll see later, as you continue to read through the book of 1 Samuel, you see this man who lives with such fear. He's afraid of what others think of him. He's afraid of how people view him. And so all he wants is for people to see him as king, him in the position of power, he's in charge, and anyone else who people look well upon he fears. And so he responds in anger and in violence. Uh, this is what fear will drive people to, anger and violence and, and severe brokenness within, which breaks relationship with others. See, the servant said to Saul, man, this guy, David, <laughs> He can play music, but he's also brave. He's a warrior. The Lord's with him. He's good looking. He knows how to speak. And so Saul says, send me the kid who's with the sheep. He refers to him as a shepherd. He's just a shepherd. And I heard he can play some music, so send him along. Uh, this is just the beginnings of what will grow into a massive tension within Saul as it relates to David, and major, major envy, jealousy of David and his capabilities, and the fact that he has a growing awareness that David is supposed to be king, and he's not. And so, David came, verse 21, to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. What I find interesting, uh, there's such irony in this text, that the one who has been anointed in secret to be king enters the service of the one who is currently king. Uh, just the dramatic tension in that room. David knows he's been anointed to be king. Saul doesn't know it. And here they are both in the same room. And, and David is playing music for Saul. And what we'll see in, in chapter 18 is the movement goes from David playing music for Saul to Saul trying to kill David. Uh, Chapter 16 tells us Saul liked David very much. It changes very quickly, Saul's attitude toward David, because he fears David, sees him as a threat over and over again. The text says that the Lord was with David. And Saul is living in fear and with great envy. Envy will destroy us. If we don't embrace the beauty of who each one of us are created to be, and instead look outward to others 
and say, I want to be like that, I want to be like that, I want to be like that, or I want what they have, I want what they have, I want what they have. When, when we live like that, it will utterly destroy us. There's a story of a man who envied his neighbor. His neighbor, just everything seemed to go well for him. Uh, his business was thriving, his family was doing great, uh, he had all the wonderful things in the world, and, and his neighbor just envied him. And an angel from God came to this man and he said, tell you what, I will give you whatever you ask. I'll give you whatever you ask. But here's the catch. Whatever you ask for and I give to you, your neighbor gets a double portion. And so this man thought and thought, what, what would I ask for? Knowing that my neighbor, who I hate and despise, is going to get twice as much. And so he looked at the angel and he said, I want you to cut off my arm. That's envy at its worst. When you wish someone else harm. When you see someone else thriving in life and you're so envious, you actually wish them harm. Saul wishes great harm on David. If envy in our own lives is not dealt with, it will not only cause others harm, it will cause us great harm. And so Saul has David come into his court and, and David enters the service of Saul. Now here's something uh, I find remarkably striking about David uh, that is so beautiful. And obviously David is a very broken man. David himself becomes envious later in life, doesn't he? Steals the wife of another man, has that man killed. Uh, very broken decisions David makes later in his life. In this scene in his life, David knows he's been anointed king. But rather than attempt a coup, rather than take it by force, he is patient. And he does what he's called to do in each season of his life. For one season, he was called to be a shepherd. And that's what he did. He tended sheep. For this season, he's called to play music. Even though he's anointed king. He's called to play music. And that's what he does. He serves. Uh, whatever we're called to do in whatever season of life we find ourselves in, it is a sacred, holy act of worship. Our work is a sacred and holy act of worship. Whether it's work you do for money or work you do in another context. But whatever you do, 
It's a sacred and holy act of worship. I, uh, if I can have the next slide. Next one. One more. Uh, I believe this. A, a major and essential task of Christians is to recover work as good and holy. Um, we've often made it into a, a couple of things. Uh, a drudgery. I've got to go to work. Or we've made it into a God itself. And we just go, go, go. And go. And, and it becomes our life, our work, rather than good and holy. Eugene Peterson says all true work combines the elements of serving and ruling. Ruling is what we do, serving is the way we do it. Uh, he's taking this out of the idea that, that God, as ruler king, serves the creation as he creates it, and then he creates humans to work and take care of to serve the creation. And so we are, we are rulers, but the way we rule is with benevolence, with serving. We, we are called to serve and take care of each other and the planet. And ruling is what we do. Serving is the way we do it. Um, I was, uh, I, I've been, as I am every four years, I've been taken with the Olympics uh, this year. And this scene really took me. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, women's 500 meter, it was a semi-final race, not the finals. And uh, let me get the gals' names right here. Nikki Hamblin of New Zealand and Abby D'Argentino of the US. Uh, they got tripped up, they fell. Uh, you're just trained. When you race, uh, you keep running. You don't stop, you keep running. Uh, the, these women, they stopped to help each other. Uh, reminds me of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and so I thought, what, uh, what if we were more concerned about losing compassion than we were about losing the race? Uh, what race are you running? that you're so concerned about losing, whether it's in work or in a relationship or in whatever context. What, what race are you running? Where winning the race is more important than the other, than looking out for the other. What race are you running that's more important than love and compassion? and stopping long enough to see what's happening and who might need your attention more than the race you're running. Ruling is what we do. Serving is the way we do it. And so David, who is anointed to be ruler, is serving Saul by playing music for him. Verse 23, whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. 
he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. Uh, David is the possessor here of God's spirit which relieves Saul from the evil spirit. Uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how David is a, a signpost, a forerunner of the Christ to come, the anointed one, that in Hebrew, anointed means Messiah. A and David is anointed to be king, and he is a signpost, he's a forerunner of the true king to come, the one who will be the true dispenser of the very Holy Spirit of God who brings relief. The word uh, better here in the Hebrew is ravak. It means to be wide or spacious. Uh, this is what the power of the Spirit through the music David plays feels like for Saul who has been tormented. Uh, it makes him feel wide and spacious. Uh, David would later write these words, I walk in a wide place, for I have sought your teachings. I believe in this moment Saul has a, a choice to make. He can choose to walk in this wide place, to experience the wide and spacious beauty that the Spirit is offering him, or he can choose to cling to power, cling to being king, and reject the wide and spacious place that the Spirit is inviting him into. The power of the music that David is playing. 3,000 years ago, Saul's attendants said, we know what will make you feel better. Music. Uh, you, you know, 3,000 years later, we're just catching on to this. It, this is cutting-edge therapy, music therapy today. No, notice uh, this Michael Friedman in Psychology Today. He says, we know now, we now know through controlled treatment outcome studies that listening to and playing music is a potent treatment for mental health issues. Research demonstrates that adding music therapy to treatment improves symptoms and social functioning among schizophrenics. Further, Music therapy has demonstrated efficacy as an independent treatment for reducing depression, anxiety, and chronic pain. David knew this 3,000 years ago. Uh, I mean, for how many of you, when you listen to music, for how many of you is music just this powerful, potent, beautiful force in your life? Six of you, great. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I was talking to some folks about this uh, the other day. Uh, this band, Sigaros, out of Iceland, uh, the lead singer, Jansi, he, he makes up his own language as he sings. At first, when I first started listening to Sigaros, I figured, oh, it must be Icelandic. He's singing Icelandic words. Uh, no, he's just using his voice as this gorgeous instrument. Uh, and it's heavenly. It, it, it's just this gorgeous, gorgeous music that is soothing and therapeutic. Uh, notice what Aldous Huxley says. He says, after silence, that which comes nearest to expressing the inexpressible is music. 
this gift God has given us, music. Uh, and it does something to the soul that is healing and powerful and delightful. Uh, St. Augustine said, to sing is to pray twice. Um, th this is one of the reasons we gather. Uh, for those of you who are like me, who can't sing to save their life, uh, we can gather on a Sunday morning and sing standing next to each other. Uh, and Augustine says it, it's like praying twice. To sing is to pray twice. Um, what Saul is experiencing is not unique unto him. Uh, he's not the only human to experience mental and emotional duress. Uh, we know that David himself went through it over and over and over. We had, have records of it in the Psalms that he wrote. Over and over again, David crying out to God in duress. And, and what did he do? He, he put it to music. In one of his Psalms, he says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Uh, David was a man who, in this stage of life, is, he's embracing each season as God invites him into it. Uh, being a shepherd, being a musician. Uh, next week we'll begin to look at this just wildly interesting text about a giant, Goliath, and David's encounter with him as a warrior. Uh, I wonder what season of life you're in, and how is God inviting you to embrace it fully, and to live into all he's created you to be in this season, and to embrace the, the work that he's entrusted you with in this season of life as good, as sacred, as a holy act of worship to God. Uh, as we come and partake of the bread and the cup this morning, as we remember what Christ did for us, that, that he broke himself open and poured himself out on the cross, uh, that we too, as people who are broken and poured out, can come and receive from him and be filled back up. Uh, and we all have equal access to the table. We all have equal access to the risen Christ. We all have equal access to the power of the Spirit that Jesus gives so freely. So this morning... Wherever you find yourself, wherever your heart is, wherever your mind is, wherever your being is, I invite you in your brokenness, in your heartache, in your joy, and in your delight to receive from the risen Christ and be filled back up with the presence of Christ's Spirit. Jesus, thank you that you are present to us in every moment of every day. Pray that you would wake us up to that reality. God, teach us
to walk in step with your spirit that you've so freely given us. God, enable us to be reminded that the work you've entrusted us with is good, it's holy, it's sacred. God, continue to shape and form us into being more fully human, into being the people you've created us to be. Continue to restore us into the image of the risen Christ. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. As you go this morning, may you know the power of the risen Christ in your life, the power of God's Spirit within you and all around you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his shalom, the very peace of Jesus that surpasses all understanding. Grace and peace be yours.